Hey, we're back with another episode of Brick House. I'm Bob Johnson. And I'm Matt Baker. Bob, what's been going on? The playoffs are rapidly approaching, and uh, our playoffs are rapidly approaching. It's a big time of year, important time mm-hmm. of year. Uh, we're recording on Monday, April 9th, one mm-hmm. week after Villanova won the Men's National Championship. And I won about $500. So Did you? <laughs> I won the bracket pool that I was in. Man, I need to join your bracket pool. I won my bracket pool. I won $70. Was it just you and your wife, and she had to give you $70? Yeah, I didn't let her pick uh, any second-round picks either. (laughs) I read uh, in anticipation of that game, it's been a little over a week since our last show, Right. authorities around the Villanova campus were preparing, because it was one of the most lopsided national championship games. The Villanova is one of the four teams ever to win every game by double digits. So authorities were preparing for the melee that could come mm-hmm. from a Villanova win. Yes. They were doing that preparation by greasing utility poles. Again. Yes. They, they in, tried this for the Eagles. Did they? In yeah. Philadelphia? Did Philadelphians just like cl- climbing poles or is this a, yeah. is this a national thing? <laughs> yeah. I guess when Villanova won the title in 2016, most of more than 20 arrests were for disorderly conduct. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stat I found most hilarious was that uh, at least four people were arrested for assaulting police horses. Yeah, I, I don't understand why horses think they can get away with that. Police or not. <laughs> I just gave it some candy and some chips and yeah. some big popcorn and some bunions. <laughs> what was the name of that horse? Buttercup. Buttercup. This horse is a diabetic. (laughs) Hopefully no police horses were injured in the 2018 Villanova win. Mm -hmm. A listener of the show, Julian, wanted us to point out this week his new favorite player, Nikola Jokic, was finally honored with the Player of the Week award. Good. And also, it's really historic because it's the first player to ever win that who has less than a half-inch vertical. So... (laughs) Congratulations to to Jokic. Breaking new ground. There is hope out there, Bob. (laughs) A Woj bomb went off this week, man. This one in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mitch Kupchak has agreed to a deal to become president and general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. You don't say. Did you hear about this? No, but I believe it. UNC's own Mitch Kupchak. Oh, really? I should. Who uh, owns the Hornets? UNC's own Michael Jordan. Right. Okay. Bob, I think we picked the wrong universities to go to yeah maybe so yeah. maybe so he's already taken the job but he won't be contacting anybody until it's it's well too late fortunately for him though unlike the lakers no one would be coming to charlotte anyways yeah. just three nights left we're recording on a monday three nights left of the regular season there are teams that could make the three seed before the games tonight mm-hmm and they could also miss the playoffs. Right. Shouts at Clouds was a user on NBA Reddit. He had a good name for this last week of the season. He called it the Western Conference or how I learned to stop worrying and love the six-way tiebreak. <laughs> love any uh, Stanley Kubrick references. Sixers co-owner Michael Rubin had a weird choice of role models for his rookies mm-hmm. this past week. Did you hear about this? He joined Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons to visit Meek Mill in prison. Okay. I mean, they're, Meek Mill is a Philadelphia native. Right. They wanted, I guess, co-owner uh, Rubin wanted to have Meek give them some inspiration for the rookie stars on their push for the NBA playoffs. Rubin's been a huge supporter of Meek. 
while he's been locked up. He even brought Joel Embiid there to see him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know uh, why Meek Mill was in prison. I'm actually looking it up I, as you're talking about this. This was his eighth or tenth parole violation or probation violation. That's a, a lot. But there is some controversy behind it, okay? Okay. Well, first off, a couple of these uh, probation violations are pretty funny. Um, one of them was for turning in a cup of water instead of urine for a, a, a <laughs> drug test. Most of them are failed drug tests. You know, it's kind of a pattern yeah. with Meek. He also has the same attorney as Bill Cosby. Okay. So no uh, no extra points for that. His lawyers, Bill Cosby's lawyer, alleged that the judge who is the sole handler of Mr. Mills' case may be trying to get him to sign a record deal with her friend. The judge. The judge. Ooh, the plot thickens. So the judge is the only one who really decides on how this goes, and apparently... Meek's lawyers claim that Brinkley had repeatedly asked Meek to leave Rock Nation and sign with her friend, local music industry figure, Charlie Mack. The judge. The judge. Okay. The filing also contended that the end of the February 2016 hearing, the judge invited Meek and his then-girlfriend, Mickey, Nicki Minaj, for a conversation without lawyers that was entirely off the record. Uh-huh. Brinkley then allegedly asked Meek to record a cover of fellow Filiac Boys to Men's ballad on Bended Knee and include a shout out to her in it. Listen, we've all wanted to re-record that song. <laughs> Do this. You you sign with my friend, you re-record the Boys to Men song, you're good. It's basically the plot of He Got Game, but with a, a rapper instead okay. of uh, the best high school basketball player. Now the question is, does she like the Boys to Men song? Because if she likes it, why would you want... Meek Mill to re-record it. I would assume that you would just like that version. Well, the original Boys to Men song does not have a shout-out to Judge Brinkley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, NCAA basketball, Matt, is getting even more competition for basketball entertainment. First off, the JBA Junior Basketball Association that LeVar Ball is trying to start. Right. I read an article recently that so far he has struck out with uh, 21 high school prospects. And his uh, method of recruiting them. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) Sliding into their Snapchat and Twitter DMs. Okay. Uh, Of course, these high school recruits who are not interested in playing for him are also high school students who, you know, naturally post these DMs for the world to see and ridicule. How do you do, fellow kids? What is it? What do they say? The the posts are just pictures of LeVar reaching out, saying like, hey, you know, we congratulations. Oh, so it's nothing crazy. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, you've been selected. Please let us know what you and your family think about this. They don't even reply. They just take a picture and say, <laughs> That's how we try and get guests for Brickhouse. We just DM them, <laughs> congratulations, you've been selected to be a guest on this podcast. LeBron, hit us up. No, but there's another league that is that is competing with the NCAA, the Korean Basketball League. Oh, yes. They, they made an announcement this week that the KBL. They are banning foreign players over six foot six from playing in their league next Once season. Once again, there's hope for us, Bob. <laughs> The commissioner said games have become dull in recent years, and the new rules were expected to make the competition more exciting by shifting the focus of teams' recruitment. The only other people I've ever seen suggest there should be a height limit in professional basketball were white supremacists on Twitter, who are also basketball fans. (laughs) It's a very small niche. Yeah, white supremacist (laughs) basketball Reddit is incredible. There are 14 people, (laughs) but it's a very tight-knit community. 
Uh, one of my favorite subjects in NBA comedy are the Morris twins. Mm-hmm. They were, again, proving their twin connection this past week. I don't know if you saw, but on a legendary night for the two of them, they were both ejected from their respective games. Mm-hmm. Not the same game. They were playing in different cities mm-hmm. on different teams, both ejected on the same night. In Markeith's case, it only took eight minutes. Okay. No, in Marcus Morris's case, he got into it with uh, Bobby Portis. He shoved Portis, and Uh-oh. then they quickly Uh-oh. got two technicals. Watch your jaw. Uh, one re- reporter asked Marcus Morris after the game if growing up he was the voice of reason and Markeith was always more of the hothead. Uh, Marcus's answer was, nah, we were both hotheads. <laughs> Do you think it's one of those, you know how there's reports of twins can kind of feel like if one twin dies, the other one kind of feels it while it's right. happening. So if one twin gets ejected, does the other one, without even knowing it? That's exactly what I'm suggesting. Have yes. to get suggested, yeah. yeah. Twin telepathy. <laughs> Matt, I, I don't know if you know, Nerland's Noel. Heard of him. And Thabo Cephalosha, just this past week, were both suspended five games each for violating the NBA's drug policy. And uh, to make matters worse, both of them could be up for free agency this summer. Right. Nerland's tenure with the Mavericks might be best characterized by his decision to visit the media dining room to get a hot dog at halftime of a December 2nd game in which he did not play because of a coach's decision. Might have been smoking the ganj before that game, too. Oh, that, too, yeah. Cephalosha, he's in the first year of a two-year, $10.5 million contract, but the... uh, the second year only becomes guaranteed if the Jazz do not waive him by July 1st. Oh, wow. Okay. So we'll see uh, We'll see what happens yeah. there. You know, I wanted to use this episode as the last episode of our 2018 regular season to reflect on, uh, on the regular season that we just witnessed, go over a few topics of conversation, and hopefully entertain all of you listeners. Matt, what surprised you the most this year about the regular season? The Utah Jazz, Bob. The Jazz, okay, That's, yeah. Lost it, Gordon Hayward. The more I think about it, the more surprising it is. It helps with uh, Donovan Mitchell, but they're they're caught up in the the muck that is four through eight right now. Right. But if they somehow end up fourth and they get home court advantage in the first round, who saw that coming? Sure. What surprised me the most about the regular season, they're right. kind of like the, the Eastern Conference version of the Utah Jazz this season and that they uh, historically only get white players, mm-hmm. and uh, and no one watches them. <laughs> uh, but also, they traded away their best player. Everyone assumed they were going to be crappy. In fact, the Pacers have a better record than the Thunder this year. That's, that is shocking. That's wild. Vegas had them at over under 30 and a half games this season. Weren't they like in our bottom three or bottom five of season preview? They certainly weren't in the top five That's, in the East. Yeah. They even beat the Warriors the other night for their 47th win of the season. I thought the Blake Griffin trade was also quite a shocker, only because the Clippers had just signed him to that max contract. Oh, not only was that crazy because of the contract, but that came together really fast over the course of like 30 minutes. It seemed like a magic trick with Lou Williams and DeAndre Jordan being rumored to go to every team in the NBA Mm -hmm. and then Blake Griffin being the only one traded. So what was your favorite part of the season? Uh, We learned dinosaurs may or may not have existed, (laughs) Bob. I've seen the bones. I've seen them in museums. But I've never seen them, Bob. (laughs) I've just seen what appear to be the bones of dinosaurs. Did you test those bones, though? I mean, are you sure? No, no, I don't want to get yelled at. (laughs) You know, fun story. I went to the Getty Museum out here a few months ago. 
and I was looking at the art, really admiring the art. Actually, I was. I was looking. I saw a cool painting. So I got in a little closer to look at the art, to appreciate the art, and someone, one of the uh, docents said, hey, you're too close to the art. And I said, well, I'm just admiring the art, sir. That wasn't good enough for him. So with the dinosaur bones, I don't want to. I don't want to get yelled at. But wasn't I, good enough for him, so he put you in a chokehold. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. To bust this whole dinosaur thing wide open. That's what. That was my favorite part of this season. Hey, they could have been pets for humans too. So that's pretty I exciting. wouldn't be surprised. My favorite part of the season was Lavar Ball refusing to thank Donald Trump oh, for yeah. helping to get <laughs> Leangelo Ball out of a Chinese prison. Yeah. <laughs> and then wishing him a happy Thanksgiving and then sending him a pair of shoes and then asking for a thank you for Donald Trump. For the shoes? Exactly. Amazing. A few people dunked on Donald Trump in the NBA this year. The Warriors and Steph Curry refusing to go to the White House and then LeBron James calling him a bum. <laughs> Enjoyed all of it. <laughs> One of the weirdest stories of the year has been this Kawhi Leonard sure. saga in San Antonio. It's made me develop a theory about okay. what's going on. It's made a lot of people develop theories about what's going on, and I can't say that I'm the only one to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Oh, wow. Should I get the hot take sounder queued okay. up? Yeah, get it ready. Okay. So a couple weeks ago, we revealed that Nike is picking what color jerseys each team wears for each game. Okay. I'm suggesting Nike's not only picking what jerseys they wear, what color, but what teams. Oh, Okay. That their star players play on. Okay. To wit. Yes. <laughs> Kevin Durant was sent to Golden State to overshadow Steph Curry and the Under Armour brand. Mm -hmm. LeBron James going to the Lakers this summer to sabotage and bring down the big baller brand empire. CJ McCollum, I guess, is the new guy, new next NBA player to have a podcast. His take, Kawhi's from California, and that's where he's going. And I think that Nike has the same idea. The rumor is that Kawhi's uncle or some combination of friends and family members have his ear or dictating his actions. Matt, do you have an uncle that is so influential over you that would make decisions for you that involves hundreds of millions of dollars? I don't think so, but maybe he's so good at it that I don't even realize he's doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Subconscious influencer? Yeah. What about if a shoe company okay. came up to you? So I'm, just, I'm suggesting the uncle thing, it's a, it's a theory. It is a theory, but I don't think it has much weight to it. Now, what if a shoe company came up to you and said they would pay you four times as much as you're getting paid now if you got to leave San Antonio, Texas uh -huh. and move to Los Angeles, California? Oh, wow. That's some influence that it might actually you know, be worthwhile. Otherwise, how are they going to market this guy? Do you guys want the shoes of a really quiet guy who plays in a, <laughs> not a giant market that no one really cares about? He may be a robot controlled by Greg Popovich. Yes. Ooh, maybe you're getting, you might have just given away my Kawhi theory there, Bob. So Jordan brand is a division of Nike, right? And Leonard's representatives came very close, I guess, on a new four-year extension mm -hmm. for more than $20 million. This was in the past offseason. Four years, $20 million. Four years, $20 million. $5 million a year, right? Average. But discussions broke down abruptly because representatives for, for Leonard didn't feel that the new deal reflected the forward's accomplishments, right? So Jordan Brand is, is notorious for giving less money than their counterpart, Nike. Okay. Right. You know, some of their biggest players are Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. 
Although I think Westbrook is the only one with his own signature shoe. Right. Signature shoe deals typically include a 5% royalty on all logo footwear and apparel sold, allowing for a lot more opportunity for earning. Anyways, the theory is, yeah, Jordan Brand is telling Kawhi, hey, you want superstar, big market money? You got to go to the big market. Players don't really play for teams. They play for corporations. Yeah. Your theory is he's uh, some sort of Borg. No. Well, sort of. Okay. I think I've said it on this podcast that it's the New England Patriots. My theory for years has been that when you sign with the New England Patriots, they immediately take you down into the depths of Gillette Stadium Uh where they imprison you and they make a robot clone of you that will tow the company line and do whatever you want. We've seen it before with Randy Moss and with other players. So I also I think that translates to the Spurs the same way that once they draft you or they sign you they take you into the depths of is it AT and T Stadium what is it that they uh, the Alamo yeah whatever it is and they uh, imprison you make a robot clone of you but Bob I think Kawhi the real Kawhi escaped oh he can't come out and say I'm the real Kawhi because it looks insane right he'll look crazy so he has to do things that are unspurs-like to really draw attention to the fact that maybe something's going on here. Interesting. So this is the real this is the real Kawhi that we're dealing with. Okay. I think you're on to something. Yeah. Here. So we had a popular segment last year in our playoff previews. That was an episode we called Million One playoff bets we're gonna bring that back for another year for this playoffs about to start a popular segment we're gonna each give three or each gonna give a few million to one <laughs> playoff bets in case some of them get edited out you mind if i go first oh, on this playoff please bets? do okay please it involves do. donald trump okay as as i said earlier i like seeing him get dunked on by uh, professional athletes Donald Trump attends a Wizards-Cavs game, and he's sitting courtside. He's heckling LeBron James the entire game. Take all my money for this. LeBron is inbounding the ball on the sideline for the game's final possession, and Trump attempts to knock the ball out of his hands. At which point, LeBron body slams the president. Whoa. The stadium goes crazy. The Wizards don't play defense on the final possession and give the Cavs the win out of respect and admiration. Million to one. That is nuts. Let's all start a GoFundMe campaign to get Donald that's Trump like to some, sit courtside. <laughs> that's like some MTV celebrity deathmatch stuff right there. It'd be pretty great. Going right back to the Spurs. The Spurs get swept in the first round. And Pop gives a very gracious press conference where he says he was just happy to participate. <laughs> Million to one, Bob. Not bloody likely. Yeah. Million to one, the Cavs have a hard-fought path to the East Finals versus the Raptors, when in Game 7, Toronto's winding down to the last seconds with the Raptors safely ahead and about to go their first NBA Finals in Mm -hmm. franchise history. What happens? The camera cuts to a luxury box where David Blatt, Kyrie Irving, and Lakers' Isaiah Thomas all celebrate and drunkenly high-five before realizing they're on camera and playing it off. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Jordan also sits in the adjacent luxury box. He's just smoking a cigar mm-hmm. with his feet on the banister, slowly chuckling. Watching horse racing on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Million to one. Oh, so good. This one's really simple, Bob. 
Ryan Anderson, Finals MVP. Oh my God! Not, are you, not are you ready? Happen. Are you ready for that? I think million to one is a little low. That's <laughs> a good. If you can get the, uh, yeah, get those odds. Take it. Uh, this one is not million to one. This is even odds, but it involves the Cavs and the playoffs. Okay. Trey Young and Rich Paul will attend a Cavs playoff game together. That's going to happen. Mark it. Mark it on the calendar. Right. But my third million to one. Boston Celtics become the first NBA playoff team to start three players in wheelchairs. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Pierce was about a decade too yeah. late for that one. <laughs> right up his alley. Bob, here's what's going to happen. Okay. Here's the scenario. Last million to one. Here's the scenario. First round matchup, Warriors-Thunder. You think Westbrook would all be completely hyped, completely jacked up for this? Yes, I would think that. Kevin Durant and the Warriors sweep the Thunder. Russell Westbrook plays the worst he's played, okay? Okay. We cut to the finals. Warriors-Cavs revisited. Uh-huh. Warriors win. Kevin Durant has an amazing finals. He goes to shake LeBron's hand, but before he does, he looks in a camera and says, just so you know, this summer I will be signing with the Los Angeles Lakers, completely taking away LeBron's finals win and his upcoming contract with the Lakers. Wow. Who comes out? Russell Westbrook. They embrace, and he lets it be known that it was him who threw the games so he could get his always buddy, Kevin Durant, to steal the thunder of LeBron James. Wow. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a play this whole time. I don't know why he needs Dur- Russell Westbrook's help because I think they'll handle the thunder on their own. Probably. But I wanted to work <laughs> Russell Westbrook into this scenario. So Durant takes... LeBron's championship and his Lakers contract. Uh, yeah, it's just million to one that Russell Westbrook's like vein in his forehead won't explode while playing against the the Warriors in the <laughs> yeah, playoffs. That's true. Just a couple days left of the regular season. Which team has the most momentum going into these playoffs? Bob, I think it's the Cavs. That's positive momentum. They're not playing well, <laughs> but the Celtics are riddled with injuries. Sure, the Sixers have won 14 games in a row, but there's no Embiid. So they have injuries, faults, who knows what's going on. Does anyone expect the Raptors to actually step up when it matters? No, we do not. So the Cavs have all the momentum to go right back into the finals. See, I think it's the Sixers, man. They got uh, 13, 14 wins in a row now. 14 as of this podcast. The last time the Sixers won 13 in a row, only J.J. Redick from the current roster was alive. It's been so many years since the franchise of the Sixers won 13 games in a row. So did they win when they like 83 or something when they won the title somewhere around there? Yeah, I think Reddick's about that age, right? He right. was born in 83, 84. Yeah. He was the only one who was alive. I think Amir Johnson's the only other guy in his 30s on the team, right? Ben Simmons has averaged a triple-double during this winning streak, surpassing something not seen since 1964 when Oscar Robertson averaged mm-hmm. a triple-double on a 12-game win streak. The Sixers have only lost one game in Philadelphia in all of 2018. Oh, wow. Which will make the the momentum into their home court advantage for the playoffs. I think it'll help. It's a great momentum, Bob. Which team has the least momentum going into these same playoffs? Bob, I was looking and uh, the Pistons, because they're not even going to make the playoffs, and that's basically negative momentum going <laughs> into the playoffs. Dan Van Gundy has a lot of momentum going into his job at ESPN. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to go forward into something when you're not going 
anywhere. I guess you would want to say the Celtics, but do they need good players to be successful or can they, I mean, they have good players, but do they need superstars or are we just all on the Ainge Stevens can like compose a ragtag group of youngins? Yeah, Brad Stevens and a clipboard and semi-ogele. That's all they need. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Trailblazers are on a three-game losing streak. That's not That's not. I know, good. and they play the Nuggets tonight who are on a five-game winning streak and right. fighting for their playoff lives, Yeah, which will be over already by the time you're hearing this. <laughs> I got to imagine Sam Hinkie is happy as a peach to watch uh, the Sixers maybe get as high as the third seed in these playoffs, mm-hmm. which got me thinking, how does Sam Hinkie watch Sixers games? Yeah, watch is an interesting word. It's more, I think he just consumes things. Okay. Like if he's looking at something, he's looking at all of it at the same time. I remember him suggesting that he watch quarters out of order. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Maybe we should watch the third quarter and then the second and then uh-huh. the fourth. And then the he's a, he's a wild Wonka man, that hinky. It, uh, so he's consuming it. Yes, it's not. It's like not a download. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good way. It's uh it's imprinting into his memory the entire okay. thing. Yes. I imagine this is a simple scenario, but I just imagine he watches alone in his living room. He's probably got a handful of little OCD things that he has, you know, just right set set around the room. <laughs> yeah. And every time a young star scores, he just stands up, empty room, and takes a bow. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be great. I'd also like to imagine there's a dartboard in the corner with a picture of the Colangelo's taped to it, which Hinky will take a few mm. throws at just during the commercial breaks. Anytime Robert Covington has like a, a double-double, he just goes wild and celebrates. This past week was the two-year anniversary of Hinky's resignation. It letter. goes by so fast. And prior to this week, too, the Sixers had only won 50-plus games once since the year 1990. Take another bow, Hinky. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of Sixers, on his podcast this week, J.J. Reddick said that players never talk about the spread of games. Every year, they have to the players have to receive gambling training, gambling mm-hmm. awareness training. How to gamble better, sure. <laughs> he also said it's often the topic of conversation between assistant coaches on the bench, the point spread. You know, they'll, a shot will go up and be like, oh, it was 12, now it's that's only 9. Question, did J.J. Redick inadvertently spill the beans about assistant coaches gambling on NBA games? Why would they talk about the spread otherwise? You know, he might have. What if there's a secret agreement among coaches and assistant coaches that if they don't cover the spread, the assistants have to do sprints after the game? Oh, I like that. Down in the by the locker room. No one sees it. They won't let anyone see it. And it's a pride thing, too. You know, the coach wants it's a form of competition. You want to, I don't know if it's prove Vegas right or Vegas wrong, whatever it is, but if you don't, Someone has to pay, and it's going to be the assistants. So they're they're constantly nervous. So they're not gambling in dollars per se, but maybe torn hamstrings. Yes, yeah, that's risky. Yeah, JJ Reddick said, you know, his brother-in-law, who's not a gambler of any kind, would occasionally, you know, just when they're talking on the phone, ask him questions about players or whatever, and he'll, and JJ will just say, I actually can't tell you how many chicken nuggets Markel Fultz ate before the game today. Oh, is that like insider trading? Is that something they frown that's, on? That's part of the gambling awareness training. Wow. So what are assistant coaches doing then? 
I don't think anybody would have more info on the game and less to lose than those guys, except maybe the refs. Mm -hmm. So maybe the assistant coaches just bet between each other so there's no paper trail back to a casino or an online account. Maybe they're betting in in sweat uh, drills. (laughs) Sweat drills. I'm going to watch assistants on the bench during blowouts now by seeing if they react to otherwise meaningless shots that affect the spread at the end of games. (laughs) Just like throwing down their clipboard their team just won by 14 instead of 16 they're you just know? furious well that's the thing about point shaving bob it's you don't have to go out there and throw the ball out of bounds it's just missing a shot here missing a shot there <laughs> i saw there was a bulls game this uh this past week and cristiano felicio was shooting at free throws at the end of the game and the bulls were down six and you could hear a fan yell out crystal clear the spread is seven <laughs> Please miss this. <laughs> and then he doesn't even come close on the free throw. And you can hear the same guy. Thank you. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, that's good. Uh, the other thing on that J.J. Reddick mailbag podcast that I thought was pretty funny was the guy asked him, how is being on the Clippers different than being on the Sixers? Mm-hmm. And he said, it's mostly the topic of conversation. He's on a veteran team with the Clippers. He said they would often talk about their kids, their wives, post-career stuff. He said, on the Sixers team, we talk about whatever the opposite of kids and wives are. Use <laughs> your imagination. On another great pod, the Road Trippin' Podcast this past week, Trey Lyles, Richard Jefferson, Mason Plumley, all gave their five worst cities in the NBA. Oh, wow. This is basically because Trey Lyles, he's from Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. but played high school ball in Indiana. Okay. And RJ was saying, come on. Indianapolis is one of the worst cities in the NBA, right? He's like, no. He was defending his uh, his adopted state. Mm-hmm. He said, there's there's plenty of worse cities in the NBA. And, and so Jefferson challenged him to name the five worst cities in the NBA. Trey Lyles's five worst were Detroit, okay. Memphis, Milwaukee, Sacramento, and the team that drafted him, Salt Lake Salt City. Salt Lake City. All right. Well, you want to give me your five worst Yes, I do. First off, I saw an announcement today about the Kings moving their G League team. And it got me thinking, the G League is made almost exclusively out of the worst cities in America. <laughs> like the Bakersfield, you know, <laughs> Lakers team. Anyways, the Kings are moving their G League team from Reno, Nevada. Okay. Not a great city, but, you know, still probably kind of fun. Littlest big city. There to is. Stockton, California. Stockton, California. That city a few years ago was one of the first cities, I think, ever to declare bankruptcy. The entire city? Yeah, the entire city. Home of University of Pacific? Now, a couple of my cities, these are, granted, these are the worst cities. This is not like a critique of their basketball team. This has nothing to do with their basketball team. Sure. Just the city. Yeah. Maybe let's go back and forth and see if we have uh, any similarities. Number one, I mean, I didn't rank them in in any particular order, but my first one... Cleveland. I have Cleveland on there, Bob. I'm glad you do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to downplay the money-making prowess of LeBron James. Sure. The city can't have that much going for it when people say, if it's true, when they say that LeBron James staying or leaving is like the major economic factor for the success of their downtown area. I guess people aren't going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame all that much. Unfortunately not. We have to put Salt Lake City on there just for the episode we did about the nightlife in Salt Lake City. Right. Which some 
coaches might actually appreciate because it ensures that their team is not out partying. But a lot of players like that. So is Salt Lake City on your list, Bob? I didn't have Salt Lake City. Oh on wow, there. Trey Lyles had it on there, right? He did. Doesn't he? Pl- oh, he plays for the Nuggets. He played for the J. Okay, gotcha. A city that I do have on there though is Detroit. Okay, I, I do not have Detroit. Cavs owner Dan Gilbert has been buying up much of Detroit. I liken him to the old Mr. Potter in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh-huh. Detroit's going to be named Gilbertsville in five years if this keeps up. It's a Wonderful Life NBA jokes only on the Brickhouse podcast. <laughs> Brooklyn. The worst? Too many hipsters, Bob. Okay. But you live in L.A. There's more I in Brooklyn. never said I liked it here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to our five best cities yeah. next. No, uh... I, I have Oklahoma City on my list. Oh, I do as well. I don't know why I do. I just don't feel like that's a great... We're talking city. We're not talking fans. We're, to, we're, we're ranking cities. Worst, right. worst cities to live in. I feel like that's not a big draw for NBA players. Yeah, they're on my list, and I don't foresee a time that I'll ever go there to be proven wrong. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, this is actually not that bad. The Haunted Hotel, great. Sure. Oh, another one that uh, is proof that no matter how good your basketball team is, doesn't make up for a shitty city. Mm-hmm. San Antonio. Oh, wow, yeah. Besides basketball, they're famous because the Alamo was in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. They lost. To that's the... what the Alamo is known for, is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, that's where the bicycle is. <laughs> they put a bunch of Tex-Mex restaurants on a disgusting, lazy river. I've um, never been. You've been? I've been to San Antonio. Yeah. The reviews for the final four were very positive, though. The writers and everybody loved the access, and you can walk to get to places. So for in and out, it seemed okay. They have hotels near the arena. <laughs> yeah, it's a very one star. <laughs> I'm not saying zero stars. <laughs> Say the worst cities. Who's your last t- city? I don't think my last one. I don't think you're gonna like it. Phoenix. It's oh, Phoenix. Bob. What do you, why, why do you do this to me? I knew it'd be controversial. I lived there 14 years ago, and at the time, it was voted by the Travel Channel, I think three years in a row, for the U.S. city with the least culture. Now, you tell me. This was 14 years ago. No, that's fair. Has anything changed? I mean, slightly, but I, okay, that's fair. You got culture now? Culture? I like to think I, yeah. Okay. Well, but no, but I could see, I could see what you're saying. It's no Stockton. It's no Stockton. <laughs> well, but Phoenix is mainly a transplant city, really, when you think about it. Like, it's mm. just people coming from Chicago or the East Coast and snowbirds who just decided to live. So it's, it has a mix of cultures, but not actually a defining culture. Is it on your five best city list? Of course. It's number one on my five best cities okay. list. Okay. Tell us, tell us about that culture. Tell us. Tell us your favorite things to do. I don't have to explain nothing. (laughs) I don't have to tell you why. Portland. Portland's on mine. I love Portland. I figure Portland would be on your... I've only been there once. I know I said Brooklyn had too many hipsters, so I go and put Portland on. There's no... I have no (laughs) consistency. They're Uh, hairier hipsters in Portland. But no, Portland... What I really like about Portland is you drive 10 minutes east and you're in waterfalls and you're in like forest and mm-hmm. maybe not 10 minutes, but you know what I'm saying? It's very pretty. Yeah, one of its nicknames is Beer Vana. I mean, that's, oh, right. need I say more? Yeah, didn't you go to like 30 pubs in one day or something? I could have. Yeah. They were all in walking distance. That's wild. Wild. I put uh, top top five NBA city, Denver. Denver. 
Might not be great if you're an NBA player because it seems like it's pretty white, uh, you know, ski town. But if you like natural beauty and the ganj. I was going to say, <laughs> tell me really why. Uh... If you like trees <laughs> yeah. of all kinds. Okay. Chicago. I like Chicago. Yeah, Chicago. That, Chicago was, was my uh, my last cut. Yeah, Chicago seems like a great place for food and all that. And it seems like a place that NBA players would really enjoy. I enjoyed it the few times I've been, so. Yeah, I had never really been until this past year. It was a cool city. San Francisco. Okay. I don't know this. I don't know if Oakland would necessarily be. I had that trouble. I didn't put it on my list, but I was. I I ran into that too. I wouldn't say that inside the Warriors Stadium is necessarily the coolest place. Kind of a little too Silicon Valley, Bitcoin, frat party-ish. Yeah. You know? A lot of bros who wear the giveaway T-shirts over their uh, button-downs. <laughs> $3,000 suits? Yeah. San Francisco is a pretty great city, though. Hard mm-hmm. to... Hard to argue with that one. I mean, unless you're, uh, you know, trying to rent anything larger than a studio apartment. When the Warriors are bad, they're Oakland's. And when they're good, San Francisco will take them. They're they're going to be all San Francisco pretty soon. Hopefully, right at the end of the Warriors dynasty. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Bob. Dallas. Oh, okay. What do you think? I lived in Texas, so you know they yeah. mostly only go on my worst cities list. But yeah, yeah. but Dallas is uh, is the best, I think, of the three NBA cities. There. Yeah, it, Dallas is, seems interesting, and I I enjoyed. It. I, these are basically just cities I've been to that I enjoyed. I wasn't in Dallas long, but I it's enjoyed. Clean. It's cleaner than Houston. There you go. That's <laughs> that, that's my logic. It's clean, cleaner than Houston. They don't say their main attraction is a lazy river. <laughs> yeah. I know we're going to sound like coastal elitist here, mm. Matt, but I uh, put L.A. and New oh, York. Wow. Yeah, I put New York on there, too. I mean, it's the greatest city in the world if you've heard Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hamilton. Uh-huh. And again, like San Francisco, it would probably be especially fun if you're NBA rich or, you know, just rich in general. Right. You could have a second bedroom if you, uh, you know, make over $3 million a year there. Technically, for me, I would have a first bedroom. Uh, yes. <laughs> 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 and LA is obviously the the best city for NBA players, which is why LeBron James is coming here and everybody else wants to come and play here. Magic Johnson doesn't need to tamper, he just likes it. Some guy tweeted a picture of him and Ricky Rubio. Did you see this? Magic? No, some guy. Oh, okay. Some guy tweeted a picture of him and Ricky Rubio cuz I guess the Jazz were in town. Okay. Recently, the caption was from the guy said, trying to get Ricky Rubio to do shots with me. And then it was right next to a picture from the following day from a yes or from an NBA reporter. And it said, Ricky Rubio is a game time decision. And it, the tweet just said, L.A. nightlife is undefeated. So there's that. Now's the time of the podcast where we get into our diss of the week. Yo, mama is so fat. On a Reddit page discussing the Suns winning the tank-offs this year, the first comment said, Only here to tell you that all the fourth overall pick jokes you're about to hit submit on are very original and very funny. <laughs> That's the uh, satire. Yeah, it's a diss uh, on the disses. Yeah, I got you before. It, it was like an eight-mile thing. You want right. to do a fourth pick joke? There's now a stat, Matt, I don't know if you're aware, called a Leangelo. Oh, wow. And the other night, Derek Rose recorded one. 
A Leangelo is when a player gets one steal and zero points, assists, rebounds, and blocks <laughs> in a road game. <laughs> in a road game. Derek Rose recorded a Leangelo in five minutes of play as Minnesota won in Los Angeles. They're so happy to have him up there. Yeah, Rose joined DJ Wilson and Malik Monk as the only players to record a Leangelo this season. So another nominee, when my dad was on a couple weeks ago, he picked Isaiah Thomas's comment, the original Isaiah Thomas, right? when he said he would take LeBron over Jordan. Mm -hmm. That was our diss of the week two weeks ago. Scottie Pippen had something to say about that. Oh, I heard this. It was good. Scotty's response to Isaiah ranking uh, MJ behind Kareem and LeBron, I don't agree with nothing Zeke ever said. I don't even agree with nothing he ever did. <laughs> he doesn't care at all what Isaiah has to say about it. Does not care. So during that episode of Road Trippin' where they were talking about the worst cities in the NBA, Paul Millsap kind of wandered into the, the recording. I think it was because... He knows that whenever they're recording that show, they have a lot of wine out. Mm -hmm. I think he just wanted a glass of wine. And he's old, and he just wanders places nowadays. He just gets lost in the hallways. Yeah. Jefferson was describing how Trey Lyles was doing on the podcast so far to, to Paul. Mm -hmm. He said, riveting is not the right word. It's more like a slow death with a dull spoon, <laughs> which Paul enjoyed. Our last Diss of the Week nominee, Harrison Barnes, on whether Dirk will be able to dunk next season after getting ankle surgery. Quote, I don't know. He had one in Mexico City last season, but we attributed that to the altitude. <laughs> on the next episode of Brick House. Matt, the playoffs are here. They're here. I mean, next episode, they're here. Right. Another 82-game season in the bag. This year doesn't have to have a foregone conclusion either. I mean, I don't think the Warriors are just going to have a cakewalk. Sure. And the Cavs hopefully won't be 16-1 and to get to the finals. The Raptors will continue to be disrespected by the Brickhouse podcast and everyone else until they prove us wrong. But congrats. Thank you. To you, Matt. Thank Suns you. Suns fan for being the worst team in the NBA this year. You did it. So many people to congratulate. I'll do that on the next episode. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to Nashville and Kansas City uh, to see if those cities can absorb the Detroit Pistons into their economy. Okay, you're going as a goodwill, like an outreach program? That, and I'm looking forward to eating some hot chicken. And my uh, very talented wife her, has a short film screening, Kansas City Film Festival. Shout out to them. Barbecue and Nashville hot chicken. I'm going to come back a lot you're gonna come. I was going to say, you're going to come back rolling in here, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, so probably look for another Brick House episode Tuesday or Wednesday next week. We'll talk to you then on the next episode of Brick House.